All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Second Kings chapter 5 is where we're going to be at again today. Um, we've been there the past couple of weeks. This is week number three of our series called Great Expectations. And what we've been doing is we've been talking about anticipating what God has next for our lives. And we've been doing that by talking about a guy in Second Kings chapter 5 named, anybody remember? Name in. Yeah, there you go. His name is Naaman. I'll ask you that again in a minute. Everybody should get that right because I gave you the answer. Um, and so we've been talking about that. We've been talking about this idea um, of, of our expectations um, aren't always what God wants for us. And we have these expectations and we think something's going to happen and it doesn't happen the way that we want it to. And, and here's the thing, when we walk with Jesus, it's seldom going to happen the way we want it to and the way we expect it to. And so when we talk about great expectations, we should have great expectation of what God wants to do in us and through us, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, we should know that what God has for us is always better than what we have for us, for ourselves. And God is always going to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And if we fight along the way, he's still going to get us to where he wants us to be. And so we can go from point A to point B, God's way, or, or we can go our way and we go through all the other letters of the alphabet and eventually come back to point B because God's going to get us where he needs us and wants us to be as we submit to him and ask him to continue to build us and grow us into the people that he's called and created us to be. And so that's where we've been. That's where we're ta- what we've talked about. If you've missed any of those messages, jump online, um, listen to them. I think they're pretty good. I don't know. I'm sort of biased. Um, but today, let me set today up like this. I, I need to ask a question. I love to start out with questions. You know this because I want us all to get on the same page and I, I like to show you um, the things we have in common because everybody talks about our differences. And so let's talk about where we're similar. And this is one of the areas where we're similar. So this question is an all skate, meaning everybody has to participate. Everybody has to, has to answer. And, and listen, this is an easy one. Sometimes I know I ask difficult things. What's the guy's name? Naaman, I don't, I don't know. But, and so you don't know. But this one, man, you know. It is so easy. I promise you don't even have to be a Christian to get the answer to this right. Like it's so easy, you don't even have to ask your neighbor what is the answer to this question. Like you know the answer to this. You ready? When's your birthday? When is your birthday? See, you know that, right? You don't even have to think about it. Like you don't even have to guess. You don't have to ask it. Like I don't. I know one person that doesn't know. Like they know the they know the date. They don't know the year. Um, it's a B. You guys know a B. He works the cameras. Does a bunch of stuff around here. Um, a B. Um, came over when he was like a couple years old from India, and uh, the paperwork is all messed up, and so he's not quite sure if it was this year or this year, and so we don't know if he's thirty or thirty-one years old. We have no idea. We just roll with the date. But all of us know. It. Like, you you understand. How many of you have a birthday this month? Like, January is your birthday month. Anybody? Raise your hand. All right. How about February? Anybody? I found out a few weeks ago um, that this is leap year. And I found that out because I was trying to schedule out things for the year. And as I was looking at Easter and Christmas, like, well, Easter's Easter, but Christmas is always on the same day. But it's now in the middle of the week, and it's messed up from what we did this year. And it's crazy, and I hate when it does that. Now, now, how many of you, are there any leap year babies here, like leap day babies? Both of you? Oh, just you? Okay, cool. You can answer this. Is it February 28th or March 1st? When do you celebrate the birthday? Why you had to think about that, man? 
Are you like both days? This one's 100% going on the internet, by the way. So... So what, what, uh, so how old are you? This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in church right here. Because I got like so many questions, as does everybody else. At what point did you realize I'm an adult and I'm going to move into March 1st? Like, <laughs> when somebody forgot the 28th and you're like, hey, you forgot me. Give me a cake. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Is yours the 29th too? Oh. So you're the age you're supposed to be? Oh, you changed the C-section just so you didn't mess it up? Because you didn't want to be 42 years old and be 11? Is that? <laughs> I love this church. This is my favorite place in the entire world, I tell you. How about March? Let's keep going. March, birthday's of March. Mine is the 17th. Um, there's not a blank in your outline, but you can go ahead and write that down. This is my big one. Um, I am 50 this year. 5-0. Don't woo. Send presents. Like, I don't accept any presents ever except for this one. I wear a size Hellcat in case you want to get together with some friends and go together. Give me a, And then nobody got me one. I pray. I tithe. I fast. I don't fast. Um, but I... I drive fast in a Hellcat, like, you're all going to need to start tithing more if I do get it, because the church is going to have to pay my speeding tickets um, and insurance. But anyway, stop, focus, focus. Where am I going? I don't even know. Oh, let's not go through all the months of the birthday, all right? So we'll be here forever. Here's where I'm going with this. The thing we have in common is we all know our birth date. Like, some of us, some of us know the birth dates of other people, the people around us. Like, how many of you know your spouse's birthday? How many of you know? Raise your hand. How many of you thank God for Facebook? Like, right there. Like, Mary had a birthday last week, man, and it was, like, popped up. I was like, dang, I need to go get a card. All moms, you know your kids' birth dates, right? Men, dads, vaguely aware of the month that they were born in. How about pets' birthdays? How many of you know your pets' birthday? I know, I know Zeno, my dog. He's my boy. He was born in March, like me, because he's super cool. Izzy and Titus, I got no idea when them idiots were born. Don't even really care. But Zeno gets a little hat. We go to Baumgars. It's pretty awesome. All of us remember our birthdays. And, and a lot of us, we have special days. And we remember things like anniversaries. And, and, and we know things in history. We know when important events happen and things like that. Um, and so we have dates that are special to all of us. For me, um, if you've been around here for a while or you've ever heard me preach or share this, like this date right here is super special to me. October 24th, 1997. Like that's a, that's, a, that's a super significant day in my life. Now to a lot of people, like that date means nothing to you. Some of you weren't even born on that day. You don't remember it. But that's the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I know for a fact on this day that I gave my entire life to Jesus Christ on this day right here, October 24th, 1997. Now, the reason I bring that up is because this is what I would call my spiritual birthday. And for everybody in this room, everybody watching online, I, I don't need you to answer this out loud, but, but I would ask you this question. What is your date? What is your spiritual birthday? 
When did you surrender your life to Jesus Christ? Now, some people don't remember the day, and, that, and that's cool. You just remember, I was nine years old at kids' church, or I was 11 years old in my bedroom, and my mom came in, and we prayed together, or I was 15 years old, and my dad jumped out from under my bed and literally scared the hell out of me, and I realized that's where I didn't want to go when I died, and so we prayed. Like, like the day isn't the thing. I just happen to remember my specific day. Now, It's okay if you don't remember the day, but you should remember the season or the event that happened or what drew you to come to an understanding of who Jesus was. And and there was a time you asked Jesus to come into your life where where you literally became a Christian. And and that's what we're going to dive in today for two main reasons. Number one is because if you are a Christian, whatever the day is in your life, whatever the season, as I preach through this, I hope you can remember it and you can celebrate it. The second reason is very simple. Um, I believe there are people in this room today that January 21st, 2024, that today is going to be the day you give your life to Jesus Christ. I've been praying about it, been believing in it. Two people in the first service did it. It's absolutely amazing. And today could be your day too. And for the person right now that your heart is beating real fast, listen, Listen, that's not a heart problem. You don't need to reach over and get some Rolaids or anything like that. Like, that's Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer that in a little while. It's going to be great. I'm going to get there by continuing to talk about this story in 2 Kings. We've been talking about it the past two weeks. We've been talking about it, this dude. What's his name? Naaman. Sweet. He's got a problem. He's got a disease. What does he have? Yes, you guys are awesome. Leprosy is that thing you can't ignore. You know how many of us, we don't want to go to the doctor when we get sick. We're just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine, right? You just kind of blow off the problem. Leprosy, you don't blow that off because your skin is literally rotting and falling off of your body. And so you'd be like, somebody walk up to you like, how you doing? Like, I'm fine. I don't think you're fine. I'm fine. And your hands just fall off on the floor because literally you fell apart. So Naaman has this and he's doomed. Like he knew that what he had was eventually going to kill him. But then a servant girl, remember we talked about he led a raid and he went in and he took some people captive and, and he takes this servant girl and he puts, him, puts her in his house and She's serving his wife, and so this person that he captured comes in and says, hey, if you would go see the prophet in Samaria, in other words, if you would go see this dude named Elisha, he could heal you of your leprosy. And Naaman figured, what do I got to lose? Like, I've tried everything else. But as we talked about last week, he went to the wrong place, and he did the wrong thing. And I told you, all of us have done that. There's not one single perfect person in this room. We've all done it. We've all gone to the wrong place, and we've all done the wrong thing at one time or another. That's why we all need Jesus. At the end of the day, listen to me. The only thing we contributed to salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. That's it. The the only thing, like we can't work for our salvation. There's nothing we could do to earn it. The only thing we've ever done is sinned. And that sin made it necessary for Jesus Christ to go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He took that upon himself. So that when we die, we can be with the Father in heaven, not, not, not have to suffer eternal damnation. When we receive Jesus Christ into our life, that, that's it. Just so we're all on the same page. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. He said nobody comes to the Father except through him. Like, that's it. That's the only way. And the only reason he needed to do that is because we're bad people. 
We're sinners. And you're like, not me, Pastor Ryan. You are, every single one of us. And so he goes to the wrong place, and God, remember I told you, God is always pursuing us. God gently pursues Naaman. And God is like, hey, Naaman, you're close, but you're not where I want you to be. And God redirects him, and he brings him to the prophet's house. That's where we're going to pick up today. Check this out. This is great. This is where we left off last week, verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. Remember I told you he pulls up in his chariot, beep, beep, and just waits outside. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think this guy who's a mighty warrior, do you think that this guy who, who worships probably many gods, maybe no gods, probably understands his culture, is now going to a place where he's going to hear from somebody who believes in somebody that he doesn't believe in at all, and he wants this person to speak into him, he wants this person to heal him. Do you think he's a little bit nervous, yes or no? You know why? It's taking him out of his comfort zone. He's a Gentile. He's used to palaces and kings and banquets, and he shows up at a house where he can hear the word of God, hear the word of a God that he doesn't believe in at all. That, that would be like the equivalent to some of us like going to church for your first time. Like, I, I don't know about you, first time I walked back into church, I was nervous when I went back. Like, and, and, I, and I get it. It's here like this. Too. Like, I can see it from stage every week. I see some people while I'm preaching, you're like, yeah, get it. Like, it's awesome. You're elbowing your spouse. You better be paying attention. Like, you're all into it. And some people, you sit through service, I know it's your first time because you're doing this. And you're asking the friend that brought you, hey, 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 they ain't going to break out the snakes, are they? Because they break out the snakes, I'm out. Let me make you a promise. They break out the snakes, Pastor Ryan's the first one out of here. Like you're running down the aisle, I'm running down the aisle and tripping you so the snake gets you. Like I don't, I don't do snakes, I don't. I know somebody here is going, I have a pet snake, Pastor Ryan. Today's the day of your salvation. <laughs> promise, that's all I'm saying. And so anyway, he's nervous because he essentially shows up in church. And many of us, when we went to church or we came back to church, we were kind of nervous. We're jittery, not knowing what to expect because we feel like, oh my gosh, are they going to call on me? Am I going to have to stand up? Are they going to say, who's the first time visitors? And I stand up and everybody clap and do all these weird things. I'm not going to say anything. Like, like, I get it. I get it. But watch this. This is crazy. Verse 10. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him. We're going to talk about that next week. Super important. He goes to see the prophet who can heal him, and dude sends him a text message. Like, I'm coming out of my house. Anyway, that's going to be cool next week. Sends a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. If you're the parent of a teenage boy, you would love it if your teenage boy washed himself seven times a year. Right? Anyway. Seven times. He tells seven times at the same time in the Jordan River. He says this, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Because God always wants to do more in us than we could ever possibly imagine. Now, I need to point out a couple things in this verse before we go on. First, go and wash yourself seven times. That's dedication, right? Doing something seven times, you got to be dedicated to that. I was thinking how best to illustrate this as I was going through and putting this together, and I kept coming back to skydiving. And I know I ask this a lot, but just curious, again, how many of you have ever gone skydiving? Anybody? How many of you are thinking about going skydiving? Like, that's your thing. I want to go skydiving someday. Um, I went once. Probably never again. 
Um, and this is the reason why. I went static line jumping because I didn't want to jump out with somebody strapped on my back because I don't trust nobody. And so I'm like, I don't know, man, maybe this guy. Uh, anyway, another message for another time. But static line jumping, you don't go up as high and you jump out and you fall for four seconds, free fall for four seconds, which feels like 187 hours, I promise. feels like forever. Um, and then it's hooked and it opens up. And mine opened up and on the way down, I promise God, if I can land in that circle, or anywhere close to the circle, I promise I will never do this again. And they're giving me instructions, these skills, and I'm like, uh-uh, man, I'm not doing anything. I just want to hit the circle. Because my friends, two of my friends had jumped before me. Um, I didn't make it on that plane because I was scared and <laughs> I didn't want to go. And so um, that one of them landed in the middle of a cornfield. Another one slammed into a fence. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want to do this. And so anyway, that's another message for another time. But the other night, um, I was watching TikTok. I do that to unwind. Anybody else? Like, and those of you that got your hand, hand raised, like, I don't know about you, but I go down a TikTok rabbit hole. Two hours later, man, I look up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? But I saw something on there. I'm trying to go to sleep, and, and I literally, like, just raised my adrenaline, and I couldn't go back to sleep, and I watched, like, 90 videos of this. Maybe you've seen it. Dude jumps out of a plane at 25,000 feet, no parachute, None. Now, I know that says he's got three support jumpers with parachutes. If you watch the video, that dude keeps falling. They pull their parachutes, and he's all on his own, which I don't understand that. He jumps out, lands in a net, a 100-foot by 100-foot net. And if you watch this video, it'll tell you he's miles away from where he jumps out. He jumps out. He's got this, like, GPS thing. But it doesn't matter. Don't matter what the, what the girl in the box tells you to do, man. You're that, that much, and you're falling. The t- ticket took, like, two minutes or something like that for him to hit this net. Absolutely crazy. And I sort of think about the dedication that that would take, the training that would take, what it would take to dedicate yourself to, hey, I want to do this because I want to break this world record, or I want to do this because I'm just an idiot, or whatever. I don't know. But would you agree there's dedication into leading up to doing that? The reason I bring that up is because Elisha said, go wash yourself seven times. It's interesting that he would say seven. By the way, wash in Hebrew, that's more like immerse yourself. Go completely under the water seven times. It's not like somebody's going to dab something on your shoulder or your forehead or sprinkle water on you. Go under the water. Completely immerse yourself seven times. Seven is the number of completion. We talk about that from time to time here. So in other words, completely immerse yourself. Complete dedication. It's like jumping out of a plane with no parachute. That's dedication. Seven times, watch this, in the Jordan River, not any river, The Jordan River. Now, this is really cool because oftentimes in ancient literature, the Jordan River is symbolic of salvation. So you can almost say here to the person that's here today that you don't know Jesus, immerse yourself in Jesus. Completely immerse yourself in Jesus. Because when we immerse ourselves in Jesus, we're set free. We're healed. We're restored. That's a promise the Bible makes. Completely immerse ourselves in Jesus Christ. Now, let me show you why this is so important. This is Israel. The top there is the Sea of Galilee. Towards the bottom is the Dead Sea. Connected is what? What connects the two of them? The Jordan River. The circle um, over here, that, that indicates, see, the Israelites walked in the desert. They wandered in the desert after they um, got set free from Egypt for 40 years. This area is where the end of that 
was happening. Um, and so they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. God, God said, this is the land that I'm going to give you. This is the, this is the place where I'm going to protect you. Um, this is what you have. And so Moses had died, and Joshua was getting ready to lead them into the promised land. Before they enter the promised land, or in order to enter the promised land, they have to cross the Jordan River. The reason that's important is, again, in these ancient literature books, they use the Jordan as being symbolic of salvation. It's like, over here, we're in the old covenant. Over here is the new covenant. Over here is these rules, these laws, these regulations, these things we have to do. Over here, when Jesus comes on the night Jesus is betrayed, when he's hanging out with his boys at the Last Supper, he tells them, hey, I'm going to put forth a new covenant. That's what we live in today, the, the new covenant. We live under Jesus Christ. And so, in other words, over here, you're dead. Over here, you're made alive. Now, here's what's funny about being a Christian. Most people think when you get from here to over here, you're just like, well, life, life is great. But when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, when they had wandered forever and they're getting ready to go over, the very first thing they faced is a little place called Jericho. And you know the story where they had to march around seven times, the walls fall down. You know why they had to do that? Because they were in a battle. The first thing they had to do, the first thing they faced was a battle, not a blessing. They were promised this land, but they weren't promised everything was going to be easy. See, we think that as a Christian. And I'm here to tell you, when you give your life to Jesus, because you've all heard, if you give your life to Jesus, your dog will always go to the bathroom outside, and your cat will run away. And your car will always start, and your life would be rainbows of puppy dogs because your kids are going to get into college and get straight A's. I'm here to tell you, when you surrender your life to Jesus, that doesn't make life easier, but it does make you stronger. It really does. Things are still going to be hard. We're still going to have struggles. We're still going to fight sin. But we're stronger with Jesus Christ living inside of us. Now, I could go on and talk about that map for the rest of the message, but I'm going to save it for another time. Because the Bible goes on to say this. When the messenger talked to him and said, go wash yourself seven times and you'll be healed, it continues and says, but Naaman became angry. Now, a little confession right here. I love this. This is, this is legit my therapy time. That's why I love preaching. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've got anger issues. Now, I do. Like, that's my confession. I, they're, they're better than they used to be, but they're not where they need to be. Anybody else have any issues in your life like that that wants to be honest? Like, like I've got this issue, but it's, it's not what it used to be, but it's not where it needs to be. Um, I was talking to a group of people the other day about how you could put a table full of drugs in front of me. Alcohol, weed, crack, cocaine, meth, no temptation. Like, I literally have zero desire to do any of that stuff. I don't want it. But does that make me better than anybody else? No. You know why? Because while I have that area of my life under control, I get angry. Seriously angry. This week, this week, I was driving and the, the roads are terrible, all the snow. It's absolutely crazy. I could complain about that. There's another message for another time. But there's this car coming towards me. Now, let me describe these cars. If you've got one of these cars, listen, I'm not making fun. Of, I'm making fun of you a little bit. I, I, I am. I'm just going to be honest. Just a little bit. It was a smart car. You know what I'm talking about? Smart cars? Like, that's the dumbest name for a car ever. They're trying to convince you to buy it, but you're still an idiot. Every time... Every time I see one of those cars, every time, I expect Steve Urkel to jump out. Did I do that? Like, anybody else think that? Like, seriously. 
Like, so those cars, I, I feel like in those cars, man, if you, like, break wind, the windows should blow out. Like, I'm just saying. So anyway, I'm in my lane, and I'm driving the speed. I'm driving slightly above the speed limit. I'll be honest in church. And this car is coming towards me, and as it's coming towards me, he swerves to go around some potholes because his car's delicate, and he doesn't want to injure the Urkelmobile. And so now the problem is he's coming towards me in my lane. At that point, I'm thinking, what's this dude want me to do? I slowed down a little. I was not going to swerve. I was not going to stop. I figured my Jeep's about to get a little bit smarter because he's about to eat one of these smart cars. When he was about 10 feet away from me, he swerved back into his lane. And I looked at him like, like just shocked. And he looked at me and gave me a look that indicated I should go to a place that I cannot go to because I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he held up a finger to tell me I was number one in my driving skills. Now listen. In that moment, I'm a Second Amendment guy. I'm just telling you. I just, I, I am. I, I wasn't going to shoot him, but I thought if I just pop both tires and video it, what an incredible sermon illustration that could be, right? And, and here's the deal. We laugh, but literally, I was so angry in that moment because he flipped me off. We all have those issues. We all have that thing, that, that, that thing whether it's anger, whether it's emotional hurt, depression, anxiety, addiction. We have that thing or that habit or that hang-up or that hurt that drives us to a place that, that keeps us separated from doing the things God has called us to do. Naaman was angry, and then the Bible says, and he stalked away. Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought, this is him talking, I thought, now listen, if I'm here, if I'm at this thing, I'm lovingly telling Naaman in the most pastoral voice I can say, listen, bro, who gives a crap about what you think? If thoughts could get you to where you need to be in life, you wouldn't be here. Because think about this. You think Naaman had tried other things to cure his leprosy, yes or no? Absolutely. The culture he came from, very religious, very superstitious. We're going to talk about that next week, too. Don't, don't miss next week. Very religious, very superstitious. I'm sure he had tried everything. I'm sure he had seen all the infomercials. I'm sure he had shelves full of as-seen-on-TV crap. I'm sure he had gone on the internet, bought all the stuff from Amazon. He used WebMD, and nothing's working. So Naaman, who really cares about what you think and what you feel? Because you're here because you messed up. He said, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. Like, it's all about him. Again, we'll talk about that next week, too. I expected, hold up, he's mad because what he expected didn't happen. There are people here, you're mad at God because God didn't do what you expected him to do. The problem is he never promised to do what you expected him to do in the first place. Listen, I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm not. I've been there. I was mad at God one time, ready to walk away from ministry because we lost a baby. We found out that there was complications. I'm praying, I'm begging, I'm doing all that stuff, and I'm mad. I'm mad when that baby died, and I'm upset, and I'm yelling and screaming at God, and I'm trying to tell God, look at all the stuff I've done for you, and this is what you do to me. He didn't do what I expected him to do, so I was ticked off. And there are people in this room right now, you're angry with God, and you're mad at him because he didn't do what you specifically asked him to do. But listen, don't miss this. What you expected, what you expected, he never promised that. Watch what he says. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy. That would be a cool trick. Wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God. Because I've tried all my gods, 
And I thought maybe, because this guy said, you know, he has the one true God, of it, like maybe his God could do it. I expected him to come and do it, and his God heal me. I thought he was going to do all this stuff, and he didn't do it. Naaman is mad. It's like some of us. We've been mad at church. We are mad at church right now. We're barely here mad. Mad at God, mad at Christians, mad at everything. That's Naaman. He's just mad. Verse 12, he says this, Are the rivers of the Damascus, the Abana, and the Farfar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Maybe. Maybe they were cleaner. Maybe they were closer. I don't know. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a what? What's that say? Rage. Went from anger to rage. Listen, if you don't deal with your anger, it'll turn into rage every single time. Every time. Now, I got to point this out because it's in the text, and I love this. I'm going to ask this question, and this is easy too. I just, this is just to see who's paying attention. What river did Elisha send a message to Naaman to tell him to go wash in the what? The Jordan. The what? The what? The Jordan River. Settles the argument, doesn't it? Between who's better, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? We don't have a LeBron James River, but we got the Jordan River, baby. Woo! If you've ever had that argument, you don't understand basketball. Shut up. He got this problem. He's told, go to the Jordan River, which, by the way, don't miss this. The metaphor is so powerful. The Jordan is symbolic of salvation. And this just shows how pluralistic sometimes our thinking is because he's like, why has it got to be the Jordan? Why can't it be something else? Why can't it be the Damascus? Why can't it be the Abana? Why can't it be the Farfar? Why does it have to be the Jordan River? These other ones are closer and cleaner. Why does it have to be the Jordan River? Because the Jordan River is where salvation lies, sir. And the only way you can get clean, listen, name it, you can go to the other rivers, but you're just going to get wet. You can't get clean. And you say, Pastor Ryan, how's that apply to us today? Well, that's a great question. Let me illustrate it like this. Let's say you came up to me after service and you said, Ryan, um, I want to send you a letter. As a matter of fact, I want to send you a package on your birthday. What address should I send it to? And what if I said, don't matter? No matter. Just go get yourself a box or an envelope. Put, put any address you want on it. Sincerely believe it's going to be my address and I will get the package. Nobody be like, all right. Except those of you with a pet snake. Um, most of you would say somebody needs to check Pastor Ryan's water bottle, right? Because here's the deal. You could be sincere and sincerely wrong at the same time. Can you not? You can mean well, but be way far off. You can be sincere and sincerely wrong at the same time. Naaman had a problem. Pastor Ryan, how does this play out in today's society? This would be like somebody t- saying to me, why do I need Jesus? Why do I have to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Why do I have to believe that Jesus died on the cross? Why do I have to confess with my mouth that he is Lord and believe in my heart God raised him from the dead? Why can't I be a Buddhist? Why can't I be a Hindu? Why can't I be a Muslim? Because those religions will get you wet, but those religions will not heal you. Those religions will not set you free. Let me tell you why, and I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just going to be honest with you. A dead person cannot help you. A dead person cannot help you. Ryan, unpack that for me. Okay, you go to the tomb of Buddha today, guess what? That fatty's still in there. You go to the tomb of Confucius today, he's still in there. You go to the tomb of Muhammad today, he's still in there. You go to the tomb of Joseph Smith today, he's still in you. You go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, there's a sign, and it says, he is not here. He is risen. He is alive. See, Jesus Christ coming back to life, baby, that's what makes all things possible. Amen? Watch what happens next, verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with it. So he's mad, 
And these guys get together to try to reason with him. This right here is mind-blowing because these officers, are, are they Christian? No, they're Gentiles. It's funny how God will continually pursue us and who he will and who, he, who and what he will use to pursue us. Because think about this. He used Naaman, or he pursued Naaman first through the servant girl. Last week, through these words of Elisha. This week, here are some non-following God guys. Like, they don't follow God, and, and they're trying to lead him in the right direction. Isn't it funny how God will pursue us? You know how I know it's funny? There are people here right now that there was a time in your life where you said, I'll never step foot in another church. You ever said that? And here you are. You were wrong. Hey, so, so was I. I used to say, I ain't going to church. Stupid church, I ain't going to church. I, I used to do that. And it's crazy what God put into my life and what God has put in your life to pursue us, to get us to a place where we can meet his son, Jesus Christ. But his officers tried to reason with him, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Yeah, he would have done it. He's a warrior. He's used to doing the hard things. He likes to do the hard things. And then they say, so you should certainly obey him when he says simply, don't miss that. Our next step with Jesus isn't always easy, but it's always simple. It's not always easy. Matter of fact, it's incredibly hard oftentimes, but it's always simple. Because watch how simple this was. Go and wash and be cured. Simple, yes or no? Yeah. Watch what happens. Verse 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times. Now, he's probably a little skeptical, like many of us. I bet you the first time he went down, came back up, he looks and he's like, didn't work. Didn't work. Probably wanted to get out. But there's always that one guy, right? There's always that one. You know who I'm talking about? It's like the guy who keeps score at a pickup basketball game, like you're playing pickup basketball, and he always knows the score. And so this guy is on the bank of the river. He's the operations director for Central Church. And he's like, Naaman comes up, didn't work. That's one, Naaman. You got six more to go. And so Naaman dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. I heard a pastor say one time, his skin became smooth as a baby's butt. Smooth and explosive. I'm like, that's good. I'm going to use that one day. Today's that day. <laughs> Skin of a young child, and he was healed. This week, I had a, a doctor's appointment. And uh, while I was there, this is a little embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you, because uh, it's funny how God, like, sets me up for sermon illustrations. Um, I wasn't there for this reason, um, but we started discussing weight loss. And, and I've lost, everybody kind of knows this, I've lost almost 80 pounds since August. And listen, I need to address this, this rumor. Everybody pay attention here, especially for the internets. I am not doing drugs. There's a rumor out there like I'm on meth or something. I am not on meth. Look at my teeth. You got me up here smiling like Osteen or whatever. Like. So anyway, the doctor's like, what are you going to do about that extra skin? And I'm like, what? It's like the extra skin, like, like you can get it tucked. Have you ever not been conscious about something until somebody points something out, says something? I'm like, doc, you got a pet snake? Like, because you're an idiot. I don't know why I'm on pet snakes today. I have no idea. The reason I started thinking about this is you don't, you don't think about stuff like your skin until somebody starts talking about it. And skin, I don't know if you know this, but it's the largest organ in the body. If all your skin disappears, that's like a Stephen King book right there. It's crazy. And, and all that got me to think that, like, when you think about Naaman, when you think about his skin, because he's a warrior, 
right? Remember that? He's the chief of the army. He's the leader. Some say he's the second in command at the time of the entire area. And, and so he made his living fighting, holding swords and spears and hand-to-hand combat. And so let me ask you this quick question. You think his hands were callous, yes or no? You think his feet were callous, yes or no? You think maybe, this might be just a stretch, but because he's a warrior, you don't, you don't think he, he reached that position without getting a wound or two, do you? Think he's got some scratches, or maybe he'd been cut, he's got some scars or some bruises? You think so? You think maybe his skin's a little jacked up? Like, dude is outside a lot in the Middle East. In, in that part of the world, your skin gets like leather. It'd be like you go into the tanning bed. Every day, two times a day for 35 years in a row. Like, your skin would be jacked up. His skin is probably way messed up. That's all I'm saying. And, and then he's got this spot, maybe right here. Who knows? We don't know where it was. We just know he was able to hide it. So nobody knew he had leprosy. And so it's probably just a small spot that's growing. His skin is messed up. And, and he's told, hey, you got this. Go immerse yourself seven times in the Jordan. In other words, give yourself completely to the process. For those of us here, give yourself completely to Jesus. And the Bible says, and his skin became as healthy as the skin. And and, and listen, this is all of his skin. This is every bit of his skin, not just the spot of leprosy. All of his skin as the skin of a young child. And he was, what's that word say? Healed. Don't miss that. Because God didn't just heal the spot of leprosy. He healed him completely and fully. He got brand new skin. It's almost like he's born again. See, that issue that you have in your life, whatever that issue is, whatever that hurt, that habit, that hang-up is that you have in your life, he wants to handle not just that, but everything in your life because he wants your whole life. That's why when we give ourselves to Jesus, we don't have to worry about our sin because we're forgiven, past, present, and future because he's outside of time. He knows everything that we've ever done and everything we're going to do, and, and he made the payment for that sin possible on the cross when he allowed his only son to be killed in our place. And so Naaman comes back and he takes everybody with him and it says he found the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. That same is huge. I'm going to tell you why next week because it's massive. But this passage right here, not only did Naaman get healed on the outside, he gets healed on the inside as well. See, sometimes we know the work God wants to do with us, and sometimes there's some seeds planted in us that it's going to take years, years, and years to come out. But when it comes out, it's always more than we could ever imagine. But it doesn't happen unless we meet Jesus. Let me show you how this plays out. Jesus was having a conversation in John chapter 3 with a man named Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, which means he had memorized the Old Testament. How much of it? The entire thing. Dude was godly. Dude followed all the rules. He, he had rules on top of rules on top of rules, so he didn't break rules. He prayed. He went to the tabernacle. He went to the temple. He did everything right. And him and Jesus are having this conversation, and, and he's like, eh, I don't need to do anything. Like, I'm good. Like, if there's anybody that can get to heaven, I can get to heaven because I do all the right things. I, I don't do anything wrong. And Jesus tells him this in John chapter 3, verse 3. I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see this kingdom of God. Born again. In other words, you're born once, and you've got this birth date, but you've got to be born again. Born into the newness of life. Born again of Jesus Christ. And so, see, you know your physical birthday, but when was the day or when was the season that you met Jesus Christ? 
When is your spiritual birthday? For me, it's October 24th, 1997. I can tell you how it happened. I remember it like it was yesterday. I'll give you the super short version. I was an out-of-control alcoholic drug addict. I owned a, a big masonry business, and I thought I was indestructible and literally on top of the world, living a life that most people only dreamed about. A friend of mine who was a Christian called me and asked me to be in his wedding. Um, I hadn't talked to him in over a year. He had been one of my best friends um, in high school. And, and I'm like, oh, I haven't talked to you in forever because, you know, we're two totally different people. And he's like, I need you to be in my wedding. I'm like, I don't really think. And then he told me about his bachelor party, which excited me because I knew bachelor parties. I'm like, sweet, man. And I couldn't believe that my Christian friend Dan was going to have a bachelor party. And so I met him at the place that we were supposed to meet. And I got in a vehicle with another person and they drove us to a bowling alley, a bachelor party at a bowling alley where you couldn't even smoke. It was crazy. And then we went back to his brother-in-law's house for a bonfire, a non-drinking bonfire. I didn't even know those existed. It was, it was dumb. It was horrible. And one by one, people left until there were just five of us left, me and four other guys. And there was a guy there. His name was Micah. That was Dan's brother-in-law. His name was Micah. Micah was in Bible college. And Micah knew me, um, about me. I didn't know him. He knew about my lifestyle. He knew all the things that I was doing, that I was selling drugs, that I was all strung out. He, he knew everything that I was doing. He looked at me and he said, Ryan, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And I looked at him and this is my honest answer. I said, who the hell cares? And he said, you should. And he began to tell me about Jesus. And I thought it was stupid because I know the story about Jesus. I grew up in church. It's Easter and Christmas. He was born. He died. Big deal. Like he, he, he's nothing. Doesn't mean anything. And then he started telling me the story about this bird that flew out to the moon and picked out a piece of the moon and came back and brought it to earth and left again and went back and forth and back and forth till the moon was gone. And he said, um, he said, when the moon is gone, it's the end of the first day of eternity. It, it was the dumbest thing ever because I'm listening to me like, you're an idiot. A bird can't leave the atmosphere. It'll explode. Like that could never even happen. Like it was, it was dumb. And, and it got all quiet and somebody said, we should pray. And then this guy started praying out loud and I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. I grew up going to Catholic church, and, and this is honest, I'm not dogging anything. I've just never seen anybody pray other than a guy up front chanting some stuff, saying some stuff, some stuff that was memorized and people saying stuff back. I didn't even know people could do that. I honestly didn't. And he got done praying, and then the next person started praying out loud. Now, I'm not real smart, but it took me to the third person to realize the fourth person was going to pray, and then they're going to be quiet. They probably wanted Ryan to say something. I'm like, Ryan is saying nothing. And so... I'm sitting on this bale of straw, two feet away from this raging bonfire. My arms crossed, just angry, because I need to be at the bars. I need to be out with my friends. I need to be doing the things that I wanted to do. And I'm smoking, and I'm watching this, and it's the dumbest thing that I've ever seen in my life. And this guy, John, gets done praying, and the only thing I can tell you is the Spirit of God came upon me right there in that moment. And I fell down on my knees and started bawling. Now, if these guys were here, these four guys, they would tell you this is the craziest thing they had ever seen, and they were scared for their lives because <laughs> I just started confessing things. I started talking about things I didn't even know were going on in my life. I thought I was happy. I legitimately had anything I could ever possibly want or dream of, but I realized in that moment there was this huge emptiness, and I wasn't happy. And I started to, to beg God to save me, come into my life, and to set me free. I stood up, and I knew 
in that moment that I was changed, that Jesus Christ had changed me. I walked away, I was highly strung out, never touched cocaine again, no alcohol, anything. I mean, I just, I walked away from that knowing that I was changed, that Jesus came into my life and he changed me. But, but here's the thing, it didn't make everything easier. Like, work with me on this. Let's say that this pulpit represents the cross. Let's say this is me before I met Jesus, all out of control, my life just a great big huge mess, struggling with everything, no happiness, anything. And this is me after I meet Jesus. A couple of things right here, a couple of things you should know. I screwed up way more on this side of the cross than I ever did over there. Seriously, I've got more regrets in my life on this side of the cross than I ever had over there. I mean, all the stuff I've done on this side of the cross over here is way worse than the stuff I did over there. The only difference is over there, I had to carry the weight. Over here, I'm forgiven because I've been given the strength to overcome anything that comes my way. Most of you, many of you, you you know my story, the, the long version. It hasn't always been rainbows and puppy dogs. It hasn't always been easy. It's been a struggle. Because see, sometimes on this side of the cross, the devil is going to knock you down on your knees. But the Bible says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And so we need to learn how to say, you might knock me down, devil, but you won't take me out because the spirit of the living God lives inside of me. And because he's alive, I'm alive. And so today, I'm going to ask some of you to give your life to Jesus Christ like I did that night. Like, we're going to do something a little bit different for invitation, because some of you are saying, today's the day I'm going to raise my hand. We ain't raising hands today. And the reason why is because I want you to remember this day. So we did something. This is what we got. Um, it's a card. It's a birthday card. Um, inside of it is the date celebrating you. It says, well, you've been born again, and we celebrate you. And it says, January 21st, 2024, the staff signed it. It says, born again, best day ever, because this is the best day ever. Inside, we've got some stuff for you um, to take to the welcome desk, a, a life application study Bible. These things are amazing. It's a great study Bible. And a T-shirt. And this T-shirt has today's date on it. It says, born again, best day ever. We want to give you one of these. You sign it up. We've got, we got to order it because we want to make it specifically for you. But we want to get you one of these T-shirts because I want you to be able to put this on. I want you to be able to have that Bible I want you to be able to have this card, put it somewhere so you could be reminded on the good days and the bad days that today is the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ. I want you to be reminded that from this day forward that you're forgiven, that you're unconditionally loved, and that no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you or when it happened, you are accepted by God. And that Jesus Christ will do greater things in your life than you could ever possibly imagine. But it all begins with you giving your life, with you surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're about to do. In the last service, it was absolutely amazing. I'm going to lead you in a salvation prayer. And at the end of that prayer, I'm going to take these cards. I'm going to stand right up here, up front. And if you pray, if you pray the prayer to receive Jesus Christ into your life, I want you to come up during the song that Mike sings and get a card. I want to give you a card and a hug. That's right. Today, Ryan's giving out free hugs. Only day I'm going to do it all year. That's what I want. But listen, this isn't for me. It's for you. So you can remember from this day forward that today is the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Those of you that say, well, I'm going to pray the prayer, but I'm not going to go get a card. I want you to listen to me. Jesus hung naked, bleeding, dying on a cross for you. 
you can step out of a safe place and walk forward and get a card if you've given your life to him. Amen? So let's stand. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I want to ask Holy Spirit for you to move in this room and for you to draw people to yourself. If you're here in this room right now and you're a Christian and you know the day, you know the season that you gave your life to Jesus, you just know that you know that you know that you are a Christian. Right now, I want you to pray. Thank, I want you to pray and thank God for your salvation. I want you to do that. And then I want you to ask him to save people. And I want you to ask him to save people, not just in this service, but in the next service as well. Because in the last service, there were people praying for you. If you're in this room right now and you know you need to give your life to Jesus, you know. Like, there's no question. You know. You know you've never done it before. You know if something happened to you and you were to die, like, you, you ain't going to heaven. Because you've never received Jesus Christ into your life. And you know that's what you need to do. You know that's your next step. You know. Nobody needs to tell you. You know. You feel it. If that's you, I want you to pray right where you're standing right now. You can just pray this in your heart. Just pray, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose from the grave to save me from my sins. And so today I ask you to come into my life and save me. Be my Lord, be my God, be my King, and be my Savior. All of me for all of you. Show me how to live the rest of my life for you. And step by step, day by day, I will follow you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus, as Mike sings, I want you to come up. I want you to get your card. It's got your T-shirt, your Bible things inside of it. I want to give you a cupcake. says best day ever or that we celebrate you. And and, and listen, you can do this. You can do this. You can. And as you do, I know you're going to be thinking, what are other people going to say? They're going to celebrate. They're going to clap. We're going to sing. Because you literally cross over from death to life. You were lost, and now you are found. And we're making a commitment that we're going to stand together with you, and we're going to walk in this with you. Because we've all been in this place We've all been in this place where we understood our need for a Savior, and we've given our life to Jesus. So Mike is going to sing. As he sings, if you prayed that, you come up here.